The following message is from Pastor Steve Lee of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. It's great when we can have the opportunity to do these family worships and we can all be here together like this. Uh, today is a special service. We are really um, focusing on two particular things and it's getting our kids back to school, which I think is a very exciting prospect for many of you parents who have been watching your kids all summer. And then also it's about uh, a really special, not back to school, but sending off to school of uh, three of our youth that are heading off to college and the significant kind of watershed moment that that means for them. And so we want to dedicate not only all of our kids who are going back to school, but also to dedicate these graduated seniors who are headed off to college and others who are heading back to college as well. And so this service, the teaching part of this is going to be broken down into three different parts. I'm going to do a brief teaching this morning, and then I'll hand things off to our children's uh, church ministry director, Kim, who will then do the back-to-school dedication portion of it. And then after her, uh, Haman Cho will come up and do the uh, college send-off dedication part of that service. Um, and so would you just join me in a word of prayer as we um, look to God? Father, as we consider um, just how important this idea of an intergenerational ministry is, would you use even a service like this not only to be an expression of our worship to you, but also part of our formation to help us to reframe how we understand not only our families that we've all uh, grown up in, but also the family of the church and what it means for us to be a family of God. And so uh, open up our eyes to these truths. We ask of you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, for the adults here, you know that we've been for over a year now going through this Sermon on the Mount series teaching about that very famous sermon that Jesus preached um, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And as we've been saying in that series, it's really all about discipleship, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Well, as we go into this service today, what I want to say to all of us, no matter what age you are, is that there are two communities that God has created for us to accomplish that mission of discipleship. The first is the family, and then the second is the church. And I want to say something about each one of these communities. And so first, I will say a word about families, and then secondly, I want to talk about the church as it relates to what it means to make disciples uh, in the world that we've been given. And so let me first start with what the Bible has to say to parents. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 7, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And what's very clear from this teaching is that God expects to take the things that we have learned about Him these uh, experiences and understandings of faith and hand them over to the next generation to teach them about the God that we worship as a community. And what's very clear is that our children, 
when they're born into our families, if we are followers of Jesus, are born into a world that is very confusing and in a world that they don't really understand because they are entering into a story that has begun long before they were born. And for them, it can seem like a lot of confusing traditions and rules and commandments and all of these things that they're required to do since they were little kids attending Sunday school. And there is this wonder of why is it that every Sunday we, as a family, have to get into this car and go to this building? And why do we, once a year, do this thing called a retreat? And why do we make such a big deal of Easter and Christmas? What is this communion thing where sometimes I see my parents taking this little cracker and drinking a little cup of juice? Or why is it that a, a few months ago we saw a bunch of people get dunked in water in this act of baptism? What is what a strange community I've been born into. Well, God addresses that too in the later part of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 20 to 24. It says, In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And so God is anticipating the confusion of the children. It says, when your kids say, why do we have to do all these silly rules and follow all of these silly traditions that don't make sense to us, then God says, use that as a teaching opportunity to tell your children the stories of what God has done in our past, how he has impacted your life. Tell them your testimonies of God's faithfulness and power in your life. When your kids ask you, why are we a family that goes to church? Tell them your testimonies and tell them what God has done in your life. And that is the first place where I would just want to pause to you as parents. Do your children know your faith stories and the things that God has done in your life? I, even as I ask you that question, I feel a heavy weight of guilt in my own heart because I realize that I don't think my children know many of the stories you guys know about me because when you hear my sermons, Week in and week out, you actually hear a lot of what I'm going through in life. And I realize, actually, I haven't told my own children many of these stories of what God has done in my life. From the children's side in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life. On the earth. For the side of the children, it says, learn from your parents, sit under their teaching, and hear their stories of what God has done, so that you too can know about the God that has made you and created you and desires for you to obey. So that is the picture of family that God gives to us in the Bible. But the Bible is also very honest to tell us that this is also not always what happens in families, is it? From the very beginning of the first family, we see all kinds of problems happening 
in families. It began with the very first two children of the first two parents in the world, Cain and Abel. Cain became jealous of his brother Abel and hated him and became so angry to the point where he actually murdered him. When you look at the story of Jacob and Esau, we see two brothers. Uh, actually, sorry, can we go to the other slide? I might have put it out of order. Um, go to the next slide, yeah. When we see the story of Jacob and Esau, we see that these two brothers could not have been more different. You know, if they took the Enneagram, they would be on opposite poles of each other, right? One was this big, manly guy with lots of hair and uh, probably hit puberty early. He loved the outdoors, loved hunting, probably loved fishing, loved everything about what it means to be a man's man. And Jacob was not like that. He loved being at home. And today, we would probably call him a mama's boy, right? He loved cooking, and he loved everything domestic. He probably had all of his things arranged very neatly in his tent so that he could enjoy everything just so. And we see that the parents were divided. Because Jacob loved this burly, strong, manly man of a son, Esau. But Rebekah loved her son, Jacob, and favored him. And because of this favoritism, the family became divided. And eventually, Jacob would lie and steal the birthright from his brother, Esau. And his mom even helped him to pull off that lie. We think about Joseph and his brothers. And all of the jealousy that existed because the youngest son, Joseph, was favored by the father. And because the father favored the son, the brothers hated Joseph. And they would eventually sell him off as a slave to Egypt. So the Bible tells us two different pictures of family. One is a picture of what God wants the family to look like. But then we see many of these stories of what family really looks like in our world today of a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain. And here is the truth that I know about all of us in the families we grow up in, is that we all have family secrets, don't we? We can come to church with our smiling faces and make it look like everything is great, but it oftentimes is not, is it? Okay? Just total honest here, Betty and I got into an argument driving to church today as we're getting ready for this family service. And it was a little hard for me to get back on my pastor's zone after the argument we had. That's just the brokenness of it, right? We all have family secrets. We all have things that we don't want to share with other people. This is the challenge that lies before us. Is how do we become the kind of family that God wants us to be when so often we feel pulled into the other direction. Well, I think that's where the church has such an important part to play in the making of disciples because sometimes the Bible describes the church as a body. Sometimes it describes the church as a temple. But the main way that the Bible talks about the church is as a big family. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 to 2, it says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as your mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. What God is saying is this. You have your own families that you came from, but also know that when you become saved and become a Christian and a follower of Jesus, 
You are given a new family, which is the church. And so now we are to learn how to help one another out as brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, grandparents and grandchildren to each other. Peter Schizero says this, The New Testament describes becoming a Christian as a spiritual rebirth through which we are adopted into a new family, the family of Jesus. The New Testament world is unable to imagine living out healthy family life apart from the context of a healthy church life. The local church becomes the place where I am in a very real sense Meaning this, all of us come from broken families where we all tried our best to do what's right, but we have all also made plenty of mistakes in that process. And so when I come into the church, I have a lot of wrong ideas in my head about what's right and wrong, about what a good thing to do is. And when I come into the church, through our relationships with one another, I actually have an opportunity, as Scazzaro says, to be reparented by my fellow church members, to say, this is what God desires for you. And so whether you are a widow or an orphan, whether you are single or divorced, whether you are married and come here with your children, what we're saying is that we are a church family together as one. And then in this family, we are given the calling to disciple one another help us to understand what the will of God is for us together. And we need that because a family by itself cannot accomplish that mission of discipleship on our own. It's just not possible. And this is where our commitment to one another becomes so vital is that I am not just taking care of my own children, my own family, but now as a believer in Jesus, I have a commitment to you to care about your children about your family, your parents, and say, how do we help each other out in this task? It's interesting. If you know Tony Dungy, he is a former NFL coach. He coached the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well as the Indianapolis Colts, and he led the Colts to a Super Bowl title some years back. So one of the most highly regarded coaches out there, and he had a son who was a teenager playing high school football, and every day the kid would wake up and eat a Pop-Tart for breakfast. And his father would just go crazy over it and say, listen, if you want to be a top athlete and want to be a professional football player one day, you cannot eat like this. You have to put good stuff into your body. And would just lecture him. And his son was like, yeah, dad, whatever. And never listened to him. And then one day, his son began to actually eat really healthy, balanced breakfast. And Dungy was so proud. And he's like, after all of the persistence of my lecturing him, he finally is listening to me, and he's eating good breakfast. And what he found out was that his high school coach told him he should eat better. <laughs> and because his high school coach told him that, he began to listen and eat better breakfast. And when I heard that story, I go, that is insane. You have a Super Bowl winning coach as your father who is telling you to eat better, and you listen to some nobody high school coach who's probably like a math teacher, you know, and I'm not dissing high school teachers here, I'm not, okay? But that guy is not Tony Dungy. But that's just kind of how parenting works, isn't it, right? You try your best to influence your kids, but there's something about it that makes it really hard. 
And then you get some nobody out there who tells your kids to do something. They go, oh, what a great idea. Why don't I do that? And you just as a parent want to just bang your head into a wall. But I think this is a picture of what the church is about. Each of us caring about one another's children and influencing them and impacting them. I can just share a couple of stories like that in my own life. One particular is of Johan, who I think he's in his room. Uh, amazing basketball player. We went to college together. And one of my memories of him was playing basketball together and him going up for a rebound and seeing his waistline about here to my head. And I go, I, can, I will never jump as high as this guy can jump. And I don't know why he did it, I, other than just pure uh, care for my son. But when my son, Luke, was in high school, he really, uh, we used to do open gyms in uh, ICC. We haven't done those much lately, but he, when he saw Joe play basketball, he was in awe. And somehow Joe took him under his wing. And every Sunday, week in and week out, he would take Luke to the gym and drill with him and work with him to be a better basketball player. This kid would wake up at 2 in the afternoon if given a choice. And on Sunday mornings before church, he would get up at 5 a.m., to meet Joe at the gym. I was blown away. <laughs> he would never do that if I asked him to do it. <laughs> but he did it for Joe. And then he would come home, and he would be in our backyard where we have a basketball rim, and he would just be practicing and practicing the drills that Joe had taught him. And that was something so powerful as a story for me to see what Joe did for my son. Another story I want to share is my first daughter, Joy, got married. And her husband is Sam. And she, if I'm really honest with you, has had a bit of a rocky history with church. There's some experiences she really struggled with, especially when she went off to college. And so going into her adult life, I think she is kind of struggling. What, what does church really represent for me? And yet, when she became an adult and she was engaged, and she and Sam, at the time that they were engaged, began to come to ICC, and they joined a small group. And at first, they were really kind of going, oh, man, we're in a small group with people that are my parents' age. <laughs> and they were like, is, it, is, this, is there no one our age at this church, you know, that we can be in a small group with? But over that couple years, um, that small group just really embraced my daughter and my son-in-law and loved on them and just embodied what it means to be the church to them. And I can't tell you how meaningful that small group experience was for my daughter Joy and her husband, Sam. It's funny because uh, sometimes we find out that they came up from the city and are in the suburbs, but they don't even come to us. They're meeting with a small group and stuff. And then sometimes the small group member is like, oh yeah, isn't that crazy about Joy? And then we're like, what's crazy about Joy? <laughs> we find out that they're telling stuff to our, their old small group that they haven't even told us yet. And so we have to act like we know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're like, Joy, what's going on over there? You know? But it, it just really showed us how close uh, our daughter got to that small group. I think this is what we are called to be as a church family, is what does it really mean to love on one another and to raise up the next generation who really understands what are the things that God has done in our midst. We just close with this and then I'll hand things off here. Is in high school I went to Africa 
in, as a student, and that's me getting ready to go off to Africa uh, in what was known as the Lord's Boot Camp in Florida. It was like a torture center. Okay. Uh, literally, I just felt like torture there. Um, you know, in high school, I told my parents that I felt God was calling me to be a missionary in Africa. And I remember at that time how hard it was for my parents to wrestle with that. And in some ways, I thought, like, you guys are Christians. Why aren't you totally backing me up and everything like that? And now standing on this side of it, it what, you know, I just really, back then I thought I knew everything, you know? And yet I realized somehow, even with the uneasiness my parents had, they eventually came around and they absolutely blessed it. And I remember my parents wrote me a letter when I finally got to Africa. They wrote this incredible letter to me saying how proud they were of me as their child to see me take these steps of faith and to be willing to give my life to mission work that that's how God was calling me to. And, you know, in this church, you will see child dedications that we do. And there's this part where the parents come up, and it's cute, because you do a little baby squirming, and then they play with the mic, and we all get a good laugh, and it's so cute. And then sometimes the extended family comes up, and they do these vows. But as you know, there's also a part that the congregation is invited to. When I ask all of you to stand, and also make a commitment as a church family, to support these children as they grow up in the community faith of this church. And I think what we're doing today to send off our kids back to school and send these three youth off to college becomes such an extension of what we're talking about here, is that this, in essence, is a dedication service that helps us to reframe what is it we are after when we're doing this with our kids. Is it all that matters is that they do well academically? and they go off to an Ivy League school. Is that really all we care about? Or as followers of Jesus, is what we are declaring in this worship today is to say when we are dedicating our children, what we are saying is we want them to be followers of Jesus. That when they come to that age of decision, they too will follow the Lord. And that is the spirit of what we want to do in this service today. So let me go ahead and invite Kim to come on up and offer a prayer and also uh, a word of dedication of what we're doing for our kids that are going back to school in just a little bit. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Um, if you have the privilege of ever joining us downstairs in children's ministry, you'll know that we are not in one place often much. And so I'm gonna change things up a little bit and Uh, we're just going to stand 
get stretched and move around a bit. Um, because as we begin another school year, there's just a lot of movement, so we're going to move around too. Um, so as we start a new school year, um, just thought, piggybacking off of what Pastor Steve just shared, uh, it may serve as well as a community to just pause and reflect on one another what really are our goals as parents. And I wonder if, as a faith family, we might be able to frame our thinking in some practical ways of how we can help our point our kids towards Jesus um, and help them just to see Jesus in every day of our living together. And so, um, often with parenting, it's helpful to start with the end in mind. So I recently asked some of our veteran parents to share some parenting wisdom with us. And so these are the two questions I asked them. The first was, what are things that you felt you did or are doing well, and what are some mistakes that you've made in parenting? What have you found to be helpful to bring faith into the daily rhythms of your family? So students, children, as you hear these answers, you can remember them and just respond and just tap your parents on the shoulder and say, I like that one. So let's look at some of these words of wisdom together. The first one um, said, growing in my areas of weakness and faith is like discipling my children. A growing mother of faith is the best mother for them, not a perfect mother. Another one said, I found it helpful to be vulnerable with my kids. Uh, to help them know that I struggle in very similar ways to them and show them how I deal with it in faith or how it has hurt me or others to deal with it, um, to not deal with it in faith. Another one said, we made the mistake of not connecting with our children relationally, starting late elementary and middle school, really getting to know them as a person, letting them talk and listening to them instead. Another person said, I've learned that not every moment has to be a teaching moment. They often receive my love better when I give them the space to voice their opinions, make mistakes, and own their own decisions and consequences. Someone else said, We wish we helped draw out emotions and help them develop into emotionally healthier people. Just because they seem more to the true value of faith 
say, hey, I'm the pre-graduates, wherever you are. Can you mind just coming and sitting right up here real quickly? Um, wherever you are. So it, it does feel like it was just like literally a couple of weeks ago that we had our like grad service. <laughs> and now we're, uh, you guys are all just a few days away uh, from going out to college. Um, we, we have uh, three graduate seniors. And uh, this weekend actually represents the last weekend that they can be with Calvis. After this weekend, they can come, but you know, this is officially the last weekend for them. And uh, this past Friday, we had a, our, our senior banquet. And so, um, you know, we had a chance to uh, give testimonies about uh, them and, and just the, the blessing they were in our lives and to, to pray for them. So we have uh, three graduate seniors who don't know. Um, we have Ben Benefin, who's going to be going off to Baylor in Texas. And then we have Anna, Anna Choi, who's headed off to University of Illinois, Baylor Champagne, and then Gracie, who's headed off to Marquette. So, um, and if I were to you know, guess the, the emotions, you guys don't like those pictures? I'm oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if I were to guess the range of emotions that you guys have, <clears throat> Uh, I, I would think that it's a mix of excitement, you know, for what lays ahead, uh, perhaps some fear, anxiety uh, for the unknown and having to make new friends, and maybe some sadness uh, for having to leave home uh, for the first time. You know, for me, uh, I was thinking back to when I went off to college, and you know, I thought I'd put a graph of how I did. That's me. <laughs> if you don't recognize me. <laughs> If you were to put those three emotions into a pie graph, you know, when I was coming out of college, I had literally no sadness. It was all excitement for me. Like, I was just so excited to go to college. Um, you know, I was very optimistic about college. And I don't know for you guys, if you were to put a graph of your emotions, where it would be. Um, but, you know, I was actually thinking about if I were to fast forward a year from now, what would my emotions be when, when my children started to go off to college, uh, my first? And I was thinking that that sadness part would be you know, a lot bigger. And I was thinking about the difference between uh, as a parent and as um, a senior uh, going off to college. And I'm sure that your parents are, are similar uh, in having some of these emotions. Go ahead, if they're in this room, go, go look at them and see if uh, they, they have those emotions. Um, and it's completely normal uh, for all of us to feel some of those uh, same emotions of excitement and fear. For you, you're, you're entering a, a new chapter, right? but for your parents, it's a closing of a very treasured chapter uh, in their life. And um, most likely, the, the sadness they'll feel is the sadness of not having you around the house. Even if it's a quick glimpse of like, right during dinner before you go back up to your room. Or, you know, if it's just being able to uh, not, not be used to not seeing you for weeks and months at a time. But both you and, and your parents probably know, deep inside your heart, that you will, until the day that you have a family of your own, uh, you're always going to have a home. You're always going to have a home. Unless your parents decide to use your room for like an office or something, but you'll always have at least a home. Maybe not your room, but you'll always have a home. Um, and I, what I also wanted to remind you, just as Dr. Steve did, is that the same goes for this church. Um, 
that you might think that we won't notice that you're, you're gone, but we will, uh, because you are a part of our church family. You were there at our retreats, you were there at our youth, you know, youth group events, our picnic, our gobble, our BBSs, our pumpkin fest, and we will miss you. Uh, not as intensely as your parents, uh, but we will miss you uh, because you were a part of our church family. In First, in first Corinthians 4.7 it says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. And so I want you to know that we will feel uh, you being gone, we will miss you, and we look forward to uh, welcoming you back, uh, you know, when you come back from college. So you are not just Gracie, David and Julia's kid. You're not just Anna, the older sister, Rebecca and Kayla, and Ben, the kid from CHA. <laughs> but you're part of our family. And, um, and so um, before you, if you turn around, before you are your spiritual uncles and aunts, and your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, when you do come back from college, do come back, let us know what college is like. Let us know what your future plans are, if you're gonna switch your major, or if you're gonna go study abroad. Go tell us, do tell us about the church that you join, and the fellowship, uh, the Bible study fellowship that you're part of, or if you need a summer job, or if you wanna network with someone that is, and doing what you want to do for the future because we will do our best to support you and pray for you and be there for you. And, but as Dr. Steve mentioned, most importantly, our, our deepest desire as your church family is also to encourage you to continue to walk in the Lord um, and to deepen your walk with Christ during the call. Personally, from a callous perspective, I need counselors for the winter retreat, so I'm hoping <laughs> that you'll come back and serve and I would love love, love in the future for us to have more college volunteers and teachers who, who have the college come back and serve back in our home church. So let me now call you up and uh, come, on, come on up to stage. I know this is twice, I know, but come on up to stage. Come on up. Do these things. And would you 
Father, we pray that when the time comes when we are lonely, they are struggling, when the time comes when we feel overwhelmed, that they will go to you, they will trust you, that you would be a source of strength for them. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you continue to work in their lives, open doors, and lead them for you have a plan for them. And so we may entrust them into your hand. We dedicate them to you. Trust that, Lord, you will take care of them and you will lead them. So, Lord, today we, we entrust them to you. We thank you for that. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.